0: Hello and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Okay, this week we continue our read of A Feast for Crows. We're going to be reading uh, Jamie 5 and Jamie 6, I think. That sounds right. Does that sound right to everybody else?
1: Yes, that's what I read. (laughs) Let's see.
0: Yeah, I love it if we would uh, all have read different chapters. That would make for a really interesting podcast. Oh, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So with me this week, I've got uh, one of our usual suspects. I have Eon.
2: Hey, this is Eon. You can find me
1: at Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr.
0: And we have Kama with us this week.
1: Hi, this is KamaSplice, Splice, um, also known as Kama, and I'm at Grammar Saves Lives at Tumblr.
0: And we have the lovely Cora.
3: Hi, this is Corly, and you can find me on at Coralie,
0: through the looking glass on Tumblr. And we have a first time guest, uh Jidmo.
4: I'm Jinmo,
0: and you can find me at Jinmo at Tumblr.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, this week... Guys, I don't think we need to do any trigger warnings this week.
1: Isn't Yay. that amazing? <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> it really it is. First time.
0: <laughs> Pretty much in every podcast kind of thing. I um, you we do, say, have to do
1: I guess you could say that there's threats of violence, at least.
0: There are threats, yes.
1: Or that we won't be talking about rape.
0: No. (laughs) Thank God. Except for just now. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But we do have to give a spoiler warning because, as usual, we will spoil everything for you. Show books. Possibly spoilers of either. Who knows? We know lots of things. You don't even want to test us. (laughs) Okay, so this chapter of Jamie's opens up um, not too long after the last one ended. Um, he's left Derry, and he's on his way to Riverrun. Um, and before he reaches Riverrun, his cousin Davin comes riding up gallantly. Um, you guys, I love Davin Lannister. Oh, me too. He's oh, yeah. like one of my favorite yeah. inner characters in A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> I love the way he's described. Yes, too. He's I love it. And,
2: and we get beard envy beard. again from Jamie again. He goes into yeah. like a whole paragraph <laughs> about how much facial hair, how much I of know. a beard Davin has, and I swear it's for Jamie. It's almost like he's obsessed with beards and nipples <laughs> and pubic hair, and that not in any order. Him,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's Jamie>. No, <laughs> <laughs> equally probably.
1: Yeah. I think it's uh, Guile and Subterfuge who once said that Davin is like Jamie, but without all the emotional baggage. <laughs> I mean, they're first cousins. They've got they've got a lot in common. They kind of even it sounds like they don't look that dissimilar. I mean, and it's it's kind of true. But yeah. I, I do love him.
0: Yeah, no, I really like him too. You know what I like about him is we see a little bit of Jamie and Tyrion interaction, but you don't really get to see Jamie kind of be bros with people very often. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. tell that he and Davin are like total bros. Like Davin is not afraid to, you know, say things straight to Jamie. I, I kind of love it. And I love it how he calls him cuz it's like so informal. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Davin meets them and Davin kind of gives us a rundown of what's been going on at Riverrun. Um, And it sounds like a hot mess. And I suppose I should kind of recap it, because who would remember what's going on at Riverrun, unless it really mattered (laughs) to him. Basically, Brendan Tully, who is uh, Catelyn Tully's uncle, Edmure Tully's uncle, um, is holding Riverrun, and he is besieged by Lannister forces and the Freys and some of the other um, Riverlords who formerly um, owed fealty to the Tully's. And, um, Brendan is, is basically the last holdout of what was Rob Stark's kingdom. Um, there's one other river lord who's also holding out. But, um, Brendan Tully, I should, I should be calling him the blackfish because that's how everyone knows it. <laughs> so Brendan Tully is basically the last thing gumming up the works, um, keeping um, everything going with the War of the Five Kings. And uh, I love Davin's description of of what's going on in this siege. I mean, his contempt for the phrase is hilarious to me. Yeah.
1: Oh, especially since he's going to have to marry one, and he keeps calling them the stoats, and he's going to have to marry his stoat yeah. wife and have stoat <laughs> children. I mean...
0: <laughs> his freckly stoat wife. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that line. It's so funny. Yeah, they talk about how Davin... Davin, not of his own volition, Tywin made a match for him with a Frey, just an, a random Frey. Apparently he gets his choice, which seems to be kind of the Frey way of things. Just agree to marry a Frey woman. It doesn't matter. You can pick. And, um, it's so funny because, uh, he, he was apparently, um, almost, um, betrothed to another, another woman. Um, and uh it's so funny because Jamie seems to know the other woman and he asks Davin how well he likes freckles <laughs> it's hilarious to us J.B. shippers of course because we happen to know a very freckly lady yeah. um, uh, anyway um, the talk continues and we see that um as we've heard Davin has been made Warden of the West and this is a really interesting political move that Cersei's made um it's one of those things that, unless you were really thinking about it, it probably wouldn't stand out. But um, the Warden of the West has, has generally always been um, the Lord of Casterly Rock. And yet um, Cersei, who, who is herself the Lady of Casterly Rock, um, bypassed Jaime, who, who could have been. H- him being in the Kingsguard didn't preclude him being the Warden of the West. Um, and she's also bypassed her uncle Kevin and has gone straight to her cousin Davin and it's clear Davin has seen Kevin and he feels awkward about the fact that he has been named um, Warden of the West and it's interesting um, Kevin Lannister keeps coming up in Jaime's um, chapters Jamie's kind of chasing Kevin Kevin has, seems to have just left everywhere that Jamie gets to um, and it's, it's an interesting family dynamic that you're kind of walking into and we'll see a little bit more of that as we go forward But basically, you find out that um, Ryman Frey, who is the heir to Walder Frey, is kind of running the siege, although Davin's supposed to be running it, and that he has been every day threatening to hang Tully. He's been putting him up on uh, these big gallows that he's built and making a big show of putting a noose around his neck, but then never hanging him, which sounds horrible.
1: And very ineffective. Yeah. Yeah, because he's making threats and not following through.
0: He's yeah. Playing with some... Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we also find out that Jane Westerling, who was Rob Stark's wife, is within River Run, um, and uh, that basically her father, who is—I uh, don't know if you guys will remember—but her father is um, from the Westerlands. He—he he yeah. is a lord who owes fealty to Casterly Rock, and so he's with the. The um forces from the West and he is pretty desperate to get his not only his daughter, I think a few of his kids are in there.
1: His wife is in oh, sure. there Jane and, his wife is there. and yeah. two other of his children.
0: Yeah, is it three kids and, and yeah. his yeah. wife, yeah. Yes.
1: yeah. Well and um well we do spoil, right? So
0: Oh we'll spoil anything. Like I don't care. So, Wins, the spoilers, I mean, whatever you know. Go for they it. They
1: were in uh, cahoots with uh Tywin, so they're the westerlings were, or well, at least Lady Westernly, right? I mean, isn't she the one who kind of...
0: Yes. Civil yeah. Spicer definitely was in cahoots with Tywin. <laughs> Um And I don't... It's not really clear if the Tullys are exactly privy to that information, but we will That'd find be... out. Um, so basically, Jamie gets kind of a, a rundown of, of what's going on um, at... At river run before he gets there oh you know one other interesting thing that happens in this exchange with Davin is that um, Jamie happens to be looking at a couple of his squires who are um, basically hostages they're kids of some of the river lords who were you know loyal to the Tullys and who um, have have come under the banner of Tommen's peace but kind of had to give hostages as kind of security against their continued loyalty and he actually looks at them and and he's hearing from davin that someone is supporting the outlaws in in the Riverlands, and that they think that some of the lords are helping support them, and he's thinking about the fact that he might have to execute um, some of these boys who are hostages, and that he's grown fond of them, and that it's kind of sad. It's kind of a a horrible situation. It kind of calls back to me, um, to the situation that Ned Stark had with Theon Greyjoy. Mm. Yeah, It's not dissimilar. So anyway, (gasps) sorry, go ahead. Can I just
3: say one of my favorite lines in the little bit, which is just throw away completely, is that Davin thinks that um, Catelyn took Jamie's hand. Just one of those rumors that keep circling, which Catelyn's always at the center of um,
0: over and over again. How the hell did that (laughs) start? Yeah, how did that start? Yeah, it's just like with Red Ronnet, where Red Ronnet had heard that Brienne was naked in the barefoot, And Jamie was like, where are they hearing this stuff?
2: Yeah. You know, I thought it was really interesting that Davin was he wanted to actually forage for to to actually lead the search party for Jamie and Brienne, but Tywin didn't think that a Lannister that was a Lannister's job, it that was like a a, a job for dogs. So he sent actually like the bloody mummers after Jamie and Brienne. So I think it's really interesting <laughs> no. that if this would have really happened where Davin was the one that actually found Jamie and Brienne, it would have been a totally different story
1: Well, and it's it's uh, there's a couple indications in, in this well, in all the books that you know, Tywin is not a great detail guy, I really don't think, and this is an indication, you know, he's got his pride he's going to send out these people and you know, look what happens his, his favorite son loses his sword hand
0: He's a big delegator, Tywin. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah,
1: but there's a lot of oops. I forgot. Oh, they weren't <laughs> supposed to rape and kill Elia. My bad. Yeah. Oops. They weren't. They were supposed to take Catelyn Tully hostage, and it's like, yeah, but you're dealing with people like Gregor Clegane. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really think a lot of things through.
0: No, he sees
3: it from A to B, but doesn't think of anything in the middle. Yeah.
1: I think he's what they call a big picture thinker, you know,
0: right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> even, even the mighty Tywin Lannister had his faults, including, um, not being as mistrustful of Peter Baelish as he probably should have been. There is that. <laughs> so and before we finish talking about Davin and Jamie's conversation, I also love, um, how Davin asks how Cersei is. And, um, Davin asks Jaime um, how is Cersei as beautiful as ever and I love Jamie's response <laughs> oh yeah fickle. he keeps the party line like he's never going to let on even to his yeah. own first cousin but he's like radiant and then he thinks to himself fickle and he says <laughs> golden and then he thinks to himself false as fool's gold I uh, well- really
4: <laughs> consistent to how Jamie is where he'll say one thing and then totally mean something else or think something different
1: well, that's very much like the family, though, you know, or a lot of these families. Yeah, you know, they will bicker and stab each other in the back and do all sorts of stuff. But when it comes to other people doing that, and it's true to life now, you're not going to let strangers come in and say those things about your family. Right. Oh, you can, but they can't.
3: But Duffin isn't a stranger.
0: Yeah, he, but
1: he's, he's not me... the in the, you know, the golden in a circle. Yeah. He's not the, in the inner,
0: inner circle family. of basically two, Jamie and Cersei. Yeah, at this point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know what I mean. He's
4: like Cadet yeah. Branch kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like, I don't think Jamie would, you know, throw down his life for his cousin type of thing. So he's not, like, in the inner circle.
0: Yeah. It's funny. He does seem fond of Davin. It's interesting, you know, because we see Jamie kind of interacting with, like, the men that he's with. Um, and in this chapter, too, like, he goes out and... He talks to them and they talk to him and um, I think I brought this up like a podcast or two ago about how Tyrion talked about in Clash I think it was Clash or maybe it was Game of Thrones, I don't know, but about how men wanted to follow Jamie and men liked Jamie. Like Jamie actually does pretty well in social situations. Like other guys like Jamie, even guys who hate Jamie and who can't stand how dishonorable he is seem to kind of like him. It might be because he's funny, who knows? But
1: well, he's also in his element. I mean, he's not he's this is kind of where he probably would have liked to have been anyhow. He wouldn't have, you know, the Kingsguard didn't work out for him the way he thought. And I think this is sort of like he likes being here. You know, there's a situation and he he's, was, well, you were probably going to take us through. I mean, he's very masterful at figuring out what's what, how do I make this do this? I mean, I think he's, this is where he wants to be and this is where he's in his element
0: absolutely i mean you can just tell that this is this is his world he he you can almost feel it i don't know if it's like a i don't want to say that he's more relaxed it's just almost like he he's you can just feel that he's in his element as soon as he leaves king's landing but oh yeah
4: like there's a whole paragraph where he's just talking about all the fun he's having by like watching these you know two women fighting each other in the river on the shoulders of these two guys and um he just feels he even says that he's more comfortable amongst soldiers in the field than he is at court. Like he just he loves being out there with the people and his men.
0: Yeah, he does. And it's clear that that they like having him there, too. It's just really mm-hmm. interesting because it's so funny. People have so much contempt for Jamie, but at the same time, they kind of seem to like him, too. It's kind of like when you read. The books. <laughs> It's like, you don't love everything about Jamie, but you love him at the same time. It's a funny thing. Um, so Jamie finally makes it to Riverrun. And um, when he just kind of surveys the situation at Riverrun, you can just kind of feel him going, ah. And it's so funny because he hasn't wanted to be here for this. He's actually uh, throughout his chapters been thinking about the fact that he made this vow to Catelyn that he wouldn't take up arms against the Tullys. And in fact, when he stopped at Derry to talk to Lance, to Lancel, I think he thought, you know, I don't mind if I delay because it means that maybe they'll wrap up the river run thing without me having to actually go and, and take up arms against the Tullys. He seems to actually care about keeping that part of the oath, which is is interesting, especially considering how these two chapters go. Um, I don't know. Does anybody else have any thoughts about, about what that oath with, to Catelyn actually means to Jamie? I mean, it's, he seems to take it seriously, but not completely seriously, not as seriously as, as his obligation to Tommen. It's kind of an interesting dichotomy with the O's.
4: I think he takes it as to like, um, how do I want to say this? So he, he wants to keep his oath until it, jeopardizes his oath with the king or his family so he wants to he doesn't want to just you know make a rash decision and go and attack um he really really wants to work to have it as peaceful as possible and that's him um honoring that oath
0: yeah that's actually a really good way to put it yeah it's like he wants to honor it up to a point where he can't honor it anymore and this has always yeah. been Jamie's problem is you know conflicting you know vows so many yeah, vows he's
4: he's you know a Kingsguard and then he also made an oath to somebody that's goes against his Kingsguard vows so what does he put in front that oath or the one of being a Kingsguard and he's so um, worked up on trying to be a good member of the Kingsguard that that's going to come first
0: yeah. Totally. To an extent. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah, that's it. That's the thing with Jamie. There are almost no absolutes with Jamie. <laughs> I think
1: two, I mean, he, this is not the guy who tried to duel with Ned Stark in a Game of Thrones. He's grown. He's seen what more you know, what's gone on. The phrase cannot be looking good. I mean in fact I know they're not looking good to him. And this is kind of like a giant fuck up, I mean, this whole thing and I don't think he he likes where this could be going, and why it's such a waste. You know, the yeah. war, these people—it's just such it's such a clusterfuck, and it, it, and these people are not the phrase are not worth dying for.
2: No, nobody likes the phrase. Nobody, even a hundred years the before the story, nobody liked the phrase. If you read, like, the tales of Duncan Egg, nobody liked them. I think when Jamie goes into the Riverlands, he just wants to take care of business as fast as he can without right. even, without taking arms against, you know, any Tullys or Starks. He wants to take care of business so he can get
4: back to King's Landing. That's what he wants to do. I feel like his attitude through this whole thing is like a parent with having two kids that are bickering with each other and he's just trying to just, like, get them to shut up and... <laughs>
1: Well, it's not even two man, kids. As as I think he's, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, go ahead. I, I was gonna say I think he recognizes that. I don't know that it's Brendan Tully that's one of the kids. It's like he's got that idiot who keeps trying to hang um, uh, yeah. Edmir, and then he's got um, well in the next. Sh- I can't remember which chapter, but um, his uncle, who's you know, please don't hurt my castle, and you know.
0: <laughs> It's just such a mess. It is. It, it is a mess. It's so funny because as he's riding up, he's just thinking, "What a mess it is!" And he he sees Edmure up on the gallows as he rides into the camps. And it's interesting because he he kind of he kind of notes that there are three separate camps. There's the camp of the Freys. There's the camps of all of the the Westermen or the people who are, are loyal to Casterly Rock. And then there's kind of the camp of the Riverlords who are, in fact. Probably still somewhat loyal to the Tullys, but because they've sued for peace, are required to come and, and, and be part of the siege. And um, it, it's kind of it's kind of a little bit of, of an allegory for what's going on in Westeros, which is you know people are kind of reluctantly allied, but um, nobody really agrees with anybody else or wants to be fighting alongside anyone else. Um, it is interesting um, as as he comes into the camp and he sees he sees. Edmure Tully on those gallows that he feels a stab of pity. Um I don't know if everybody remembers, but actually Edmure and Jamie have have danced um quite a dance since almost the beginning of this war. Um in a Game of Thrones, um Jamie was one of the people who was basically fighting back after Edmure started raiding um into or after after the the Lannister started raiding into the Riverlands and Edmure fought back. Jamie Jamie went in and basically took back everything that Edmure captured in the Westerlands and even continued to conquer into the Riverlands until he actually had Riverrun besieged. And that's the reason that Rob needed to come up with a really clever plan to beat Jamie, is that Jamie had his forces completely ringing Riverrun. Um, Edmure was in there. I mean, Hoster Tully was still alive, but very ill. It was Edmure running the show. And so Jamie and Edmure have kind of <laughs> been facing off back and forth around Riverrun. Since since the books kind of began in a way. And um here they've come full circle again. The last time that Jamie was at Riverrun, of course, um he had been a prisoner of Edmure's, and now they've flipped yet again and now Edmure is the prisoner. And it's it's such it speaks so much about Jamie that he actually feels pity for Edmure <laughs> that he's in this position when, you know, obviously Edmure was the one who had put him in in the dungeon, you know, and, and had him, you know, he always talks about how you know he was living in his own shit or whatever it was. <laughs> so it's it's every time someone says that J- Jamie's like a psychopath or something, I always think about these moments like where Jamie has pity for people he really doesn't need to feel pity for, and he does anyway. Um, but then uh, Jamie also notices, you know, kind of the mess of the camps, and he looks around and and sees um Ryman Frey, who again is running the the ry- or the the Frey camp um has basically. Set it up to be fun for all of his men. He's got whores, cockfights, and boar baiting. We hear, <laughs> and that he's even got himself a bloody singer who um, we later figure out is is Thomas Seven Strings. Um, and it's really interesting to me too, as as Jamie's riding up to River Run, and uh, of all the memories that he has of River Run, it's funny that he thinks about when he was sent there for the first time as a boy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, he was sent. Um, it's pretty clear that he was sent to see if 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 a match would work between him and Lisa Tully. But he talks about how he spent more time talking to Brendan Tully and listening to him. But <laughs> I kind of love this little bit, and I kind of love too. You know he he doesn't he doesn't do the obvious thing, and even you know make a, a swipe at Lisa Tully. He says you no, know she was a pretty honest. girl. Yeah, yeah, he is honest. He was a good looking girl, and you know she was. Just yeah,
4: quiet. I love that little scene, and I also love how. He also mentions Catelyn, so there goes the Jamie and Catelyn shipping right there. Well, Catelyn I mean, was, you, know, you know, that she was
1: interesting, yeah. and Lysa didn't talk much. Lysa was probably yeah, thinking like, about Peter, and oh, God, but... Right, <laughs> but Catelyn was, you know,
4: equally as pretty, but she had, like, the personality to go with it, and he found her interesting, And but
1: she was promised to a northern boy. Okay, so we now all have to write Jamie Brendan Fick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry i'm sorry
0: i i almost want to say that exists but now i can't say that for sure i feel like i've seen it though i think what i was sorry
3: i um, was thinking when i was reading this was <clears throat> the fact that he mentions that he was at an age where no girl interested him as much as the as the blackfish's tails. and my mind because my mind works in strange ways um, was wondering if this was a time before he was really with Cersei because I mean he yeah, mentions I mean, that
1: thing. it would
3: have uh, to be um, yeah. Lysa didn't have any of Cersei's fire but then a couple of pages later he's saying that he was younger than Peck, and Peck's 15 well so, they would
1: have to be because he and Catelyn I think are close if not the same age?
0: I think they're almost the same age, yes. And
1: she's married with a baby when she's like 16 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I'm thinking you're right. I think he was probably about 14.
0: Yeah, or even younger. It's clearly before he's knighted or anything. Yeah, he's he's probably very young. Maybe yeah, even he seems 12. To be or...
4: actually like interested or like thinking of other girls outside of Cersei when he's looking back.
0: Well, huh. it's funny how he knows why he was there. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: well that would be part of his world i mean they'd probably be openly discussing no oh, so you know even if it's a cousin who's so-and-so well they're right you know we should make a match i mean you gotta after a while you gotta figure out that this is how your world works that you're gonna be married off somebody at a but certain age he didn't age. seem
4: so opposed to it either he was just like well i was just more interested in talking to brendan tully <laughs> he doesn't seem like he was against the idea.
0: It does make you wonder why they didn't do it because is it just that Hoster Tully noticed that he wasn't very interested in Liza? I mean, it is interesting.
1: Well, because, isn't it... I'm guessing this was sort of like, oh God, I'm going to go on my America's Next Top Model knowledge like a go-see to see if this would sort of work out. But they weren't going to like commit right then and there. And then I'm assuming the plan would have been for Hoster Tully and Tywin, probably by Raven, to work out the details, mm-hmm. but by the time they get around to doing that, Cersei's figured out what the plan is and puts right. the...
0: But, I, I mean, yeah. it <laughs> wouldn't
1: have <to> been done <laughs> right then and there, God. and their consent right. is not really required.
0: No, I think it's actually, actually a little bit of a sign. I, I give kind of a host or Tully a, a hard time in my mind because of the way that he did treat Liza, but maybe it is a sign that he did at least have some concern about... Um, her well-being, that they would even want to see if they were compatible before they just made the match. It actually is, actually Tywin, too, although you kind of picture this being <laughs> Hoster's ideal idea and not well, and not Tywin's.
1: Would, I mean, but I mean, I'm thinking, too, I mean, Hoster would want to meet Jamie. I mean, it's not like today, where you could just get on a plane or a bus and, you know, or drive somewhere. These people are hundreds and hundreds of miles away. It's like, you're not going to see them more than a couple times in your life. So, he'd probably want to meet him figure out okay is he worth do i want my daughter married to this guy it's almost more of a go see for hoster than it is a for oh god that's just horrible okay <laughs> Shut
0: up so jamie gets to camp and um he picks a rise that he wants his his tent um raised on um and he it's funny, he says, raise my tent and plant my standards and then he thinks to himself, and we'll see who comes running and how quickly, because he knows that this is just a clusterfuck of a siege, and he knows people are going to come to him um, and it's it's so funny that the first people in the door are uh, Jenna Lannister and her husband Eamon Frey <laughs> um, Jenna Lannister, of course, being Tywin Lannister's sister, and I know that a lot of people in the Jamie and Brienne fandom are really fond of Jenna Lannister I love her. There we go. I.
1: Absolutely. I love how she's described. Just like this very um, loud woman. I love the, I don't have the line in front of me, but it's something like the description of in her youth how she was always threatening to overflow her bodice. And now she's just basically, you know, square. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pleasantly plump. Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, it's so funny, you can kind of get a read on this marriage right away before Jamie even goes into the particulars of it. <laughs> you can tell that, that Jenna is pretty much running the show. Oh, and we should probably note, of course, Jenna and Emin are the parents of Cleos Frey, who we know very well.
1: <laughs> poor
0: guy. <laughs> poor Cleos <laughs> Frey. Um.
1: I would
4: love a Cleo's POV for when he was traveling with Jamie and Brian. I would kill for that. Oh,
3: would just be shut up, shut up, shut up? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I bet he was thanking the gods for him being killed when he got shot with his arrows.
0: Probably. Or maybe like, it was something like,
4: oh my god, just
1: go ahead and do it already, please.
0: Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. No, kiss. <laughs>
1: I, I do love that, you know, poor Cleo's, I mean, who's Jenna's son, you'd think she, I mean, he, he gets about like two lines of oh tell us how our son died and then boom you know moving
0: on yeah it's so funny well actually I love the thing where Jenna is like Jenna tells oh I wish I had written it down Jenna tells Jamie that she's sorry for his loss and he assumes that that she means his hand (laughs) 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 she means his father she's like awkward well there's a parallel
1: because when um I think it's in Clash. Somebody tell. I think it's Tyrion who makes their or co- Someone makes a comment about to Joffrey about his loss, and he's like, he has no idea what they're talking about either. But I don't know.
0: So Joffrey came by it honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the way that um,
3: Jamie replies to that line about, "I'm sorry for." Your loss just makes me think of a little boy because it's all to do with I've got a new hand made of I know. gold.
4: In fact, I even made a note of that in my book, saying the same thing. I was like he sounds like a little boy showing off his gold hand. Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> <laughs> like I had a new hand. Look, it's made of gold. <laughs> so then, when they do ask about Klaus, you know, like any parents would, you know, you know, did he suffer when he died? Basically, is probably what they want to know. <laughs> and Jamie just lies to them. <laughs> Tells them like this great story about Sir Cleos being super brave and, and fighting yeah. off these outlaws and everything. I kinda love it. It's so funny. And then he, he says he's gonna go find Kleos' bones and bring him back to Castle Rock. And he's thinking like, you know, bones. any bones. Like, I can find some bones. He's like, I have no idea where he is.
1: <laughs> Picturing the scene, hundreds of years later, archaeologists. It, it's a knight, but wait, it's a woman because these bones that Jamie picked were like some random person's, you know, or
4: a horse or
1: something. Yeah, not even
4: awesome. human. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we also learned that Emmon Frey it has been named the Lord of Rorun, and we should probably, well, I mean, I, I kind of said it. Emin is is Walder Frey's son, but he's not um the heir. He is a younger son, not he's not too far down the line. I forget yeah. how many he's sons like Walder Frey has, son. but it's a lot. He's, Hundreds. He's
2: number 2. <laughs> he's like the second son yeah. in line.
0: Yeah, he's 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 a little bit down the list. And um so it's a really big deal to him that he's been given Riverrun and it's very clear that Tywin did this for Jenna's sake and for the sake of of Jenna's kids, but it's so funny that Emin keeps his, like, <laughs> his royal letter that grants him River Run in his sleeve at all times, ready to pull it out to, like, prove that <laughs> yeah. he's the one.
1: Yeah, the so king did this, and, it's, and we all know the king just likes to stamp some paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> King is eight and wants a cat, you know? Right.
0: <laughs> Emin's just, like, running around going, I'm legit, I'm legit, look. This is for he real. He may have the letter, but
3: Jenna's lord.
0: Oh yeah, so, Jenna's, yeah.
3: In Jenna's, in Jenna's in charge. Jenna's Jenna's
0: charge. Um, and, uh, so it's so funny how how Jenna basically dismisses Emma at one point after Emma has been meeting with Jamie to somehow end the siege without hurting River Run at all, and Emma. I mean, and Jenna basically is like, okay, then, you're going to have to leave now. We have family business to discuss. And she just kind of sends him out the door. And I love it because she she kind of talks about how she's not like Cersei. She totally knows her place. And yet she totally doesn't know her place. She absolutely gets in the middle of all of the politics of everything. <laughs> I I was talking about
3: this uh, with Rose Hart a little while ago about how I think that if Cersei hadn't been so in her own head and subject to all the paranoia that she could have turned into somebody like Jenna because she talks about the patriarchy and how she needs to... Do all these things to make herself a woman, and you know, Noah. You know, this is her place, but she needs to be more than this place. But here you have Jenna, who's a member of our own family, who doesn't isn't subject to any of that. She is in charge of River Run, basically, in all but name, and um, she has children who may or may not have the same father. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she's just this incredible woman. And you know, if these things hadn't been going on. And there wasn't so much randomness and incest and all that jazz. Um, this is who Cersei could have been. And I always see it like that. And that's part of the reason why I like Jenna, I think, a little bit as well.
1: Well, she made the best of a bad bargain. I mean, she got sold off, which she does talk about, to this guy because her father liked to be liked and, you know, was vulnerable to Walter Frey. And you know i i kind of jamie talks about how the kids are probably not evans but the descriptions it kind of sounds like their phrase anyhow but um you know
3: (laughs) which phrase
1: well well there's a lot i actually have unreliable narrator all over my notes maybe (laughs) this is a good place to talk about that but it's interesting in this book all three of the Lannister kids in their POVs, when they're thinking about their father, when they're talking to people who knew their father, it, they're, they're not really, you know, they're, it's that thing that happens. You don't have the perspective. To you, he was this person. But to these other people, he was somebody else. And, I mean, Jenna, Jenna made the best of a bad marriage. I mean, you know, it could have been a terrible, you know, she's in charge. As, as Cora just said. I mean, she calls the shots. She sends her husband out of the room when she wants to talk business. She's in charge.
0: Well, you absolutely believe that she's Tywin's sister.
1: Oh, yeah. No, totally.
0: Yeah. It's clear as can be. <laughs> um, and it is interesting. They, they talk a little bit about Tywin. Um, she asks about, she's clearly heard rumors about Tywin's funeral, where he was rotting on his beer. And the thing about him smiling... Um, and it's funny how they talk about Tywin smiling, and she can basically list all the times she's ever heard that he smiled.
1: <laughs> but you know, the thing Hilarious. is, he did smile. She did see a different side of him that his children never saw. At one point, he yeah. was her big brother who she loved, and she basically—I think she even says that she was kind of his his little sister who he protected. I think she calls herself the pampered princess or something until she disappointed him which I think yeah. is when she basically told him that, you know, Tyrion is a lot like him and he didn't like that. But, you know, he was a different guy. He was a different guy to Kevin.
0: Yeah, we hear it from Kevin, too. You hear the same thing, you know, Kevin and Kevin and Jenna don't have the same awe of Tywin that his kids have and basically everyone else has. You know, they saw him as a human being, which, of course, makes sense being his siblings. Well, they grew um, up with him, so they yeah. would have
3: seen all the bad things as well as the good things that, like, children do. Exactly. He can't, he can't have been a big,
0: you know, big-picture person when he was seven or eight. Although it looks like he was close. Man, this thing about him challenging yes. his father on making the match for, he, for yeah. Jenna when I he was like, ten years old.
2: And I think she was seven, wasn't
0: she? Because it said that She uh, was I'm seven and he was ten.
1: Frey was 14. And Emon was 14. Yeah. Which is a huge age gap when you're seven years old. But, yeah, that he got up in front of all those lords. It wasn't just he got up in front of the father. No, he got up in front of all of those people and basically, you know, said this is a, a shit idea and what the hell are you doing? And, you know, that this is not worthy of her.
0: Yeah, I mean it's amazing to think about. It. You know, it's interesting. We're we're coming up on the release of the World of Ice and Fire, and, and um, I don't know if you guys um read or heard about. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've released some more info on on um basically the Lannister history, but it's more recent Lannister history, and it's a lot about Tywin, and and we hear a little bit about what actually happened with you know the Ellen Tarbeck or whatever. Yeah. With the Tarvex, and it and it is really interesting stuff and it kinda does give you a new perspective on Tywin and and we're seeing a little bit of that here. Um and it's funny because Jenna, Jenna is talking about Tywin, and she ends it by saying, Who will protect us now? Um, and you know, you get the sense that it's it's not just that he was her big brother, but that she understood just how good Tywin was (laughs) at basically holding control of something And, and Jamie (laughs) <laughs> Jamie's like he left a son <laughs> and and Jenna's like yeah he did and, and that's what I'm most afraid of and and Jamie doesn't understand what she means and she says to him um she says that he's like his uncles that Jamie's like his uncles but that it's Tyrion who's Tywin's son and it's it's interesting this is clearly a profound moment for Jamie cuz he'll he'll think back to it but what do you guys think what 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 was your read on on this this statement oh, by Jenna, well, who clearly I knew think, Tywin and Tyrion and Jamie very well.
1: I think it's kind of funny. I was, um, I've been following, you know, all the rumors about Charles Dan saying that his part wasn't quite done, which, ha ha ha. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> but um, it's interesting, when I read this book the first time, and, uh, and when I was rereading for this and a couple of the other previous podcasts, he, Tywin, is all over A Feast for Crows. Like, all over it everybody's still talking about him and their lines in several um, both of these chapters about how he casts this long shadow Mm -hmm. and you know he's he's the one everyone's got to live up to he's the one everyone's measuring his well his kids measure themselves against him you know Cersei thinks she's Tywin's true heir Tyrion probably doesn't want to think he's anything like his father. <laughs> and I think in the second chapter, which we'll be talking about, I mean, it's sort of like Jamie kind of trying to step up to the plate and sort of, you know, I think that line that Jenna tells him, that you're really, you know, the Tyrion's Tywin's son, that rankles.
0: It yeah, does. He
1: kind of digs at him a little bit.
0: Yeah. He comes
4: back to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I always think it's funny. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but I think it's Jamie's first chapter in Feast where he's standing vigil over Tywin's body, and um, Maester Pycelle comes in, and and he's, he's talking to Jamie about how amazing Tywin was. Pycelle's such a, a Tywin fanboy. <laughs> it's funny, but um, he talks about Tywin in terms of another lord, and of course I didn't look this up, and so I'm going to probably totally fuck up. This <laughs> remembering this, but it's basically someone who was a lord in, in old town when there was um when there was yes. a plague yeah and and this Lord you know did what needed to be done he burned he burned people who had the plague in their houses yeah um yeah and and basically you know made the hard calls you know these are kind of these are kind of some of the the big discussions of of humanism and you know kind of when do when do the 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 needs of the few outweigh the the needs of the many and vice versa. And it's I interesting. Yeah. Pysell seems to recognize t- that Tywin is that kind of guy. And um it's funny that he, he says that to Jamie. I mean he could have said it to Cersei, but it's Jamie that he says it to. And um yeah, one of the high towers, yes. Um and it's so interesting to remember that again when Jamie hears this from Jenna and know that all of that is kind of floating around in his head. <laughs> Um when it comes to him talking about Tywin. I mean I don't know, Kama, you you know you know Tywin better than anybody. Do you think do you think Tywin could have made those hard calls when it comes to like
1: Oh yeah the yeah. I think when I was on a guest on the podcast when they were talking about this episode, I talked about Quentin Hightower and this whole thing. He is the that's the kind of guy Tywin is. You know? He would have In fact, I don't know if it's in A Dance with Dragons, but there's someone else who talks about how Tywin would have handled the situation where he would have just basically, you know, sacked the city and Robert and Ned would have just had to, you know, run back home. He would have no problem doing that.
0: Yeah, Tywin could make the hard calls. Yes, I, I I got an anon about this when I was doing that agree or disagree meme. And someone was like, would Tywin have been a good ruler? And I was like, I couldn't help but say, yeah, I think Tywin would have been a great king. I think there would have been a lot more peace. I mean, he would have been really harsh. And uh, to a lot of people, he would have been really unfair. But at the same time, if you want to talk about like peace in the realm and basically the overall good of the people, someone like Tywin usually is the type of person who keeps the most people alive during their reign and that kind of thing. Well,
1: you want the big picture guy in charge.
0: Yeah, you really do
1: comes up in my real life too you know you need the detail oriented people you need the bean counters you need the people going well how do we exactly do this etc but the person I think most people want as a leader is somebody who's like okay I have a vision and this is how we're going to you know this is what we're going to do and then you delegate which is what he does well not always very well but you know (laughs) that you have people under you who are going to make those things happen and that's who
0: he is. Yeah, he really is. Was. he really is, and it's it's going to be interesting to see um, just how things go for him. Because it it's going to be interesting to see how his kids fill his shoes because they're all three trying to do it. Mm. So I guess that pretty much closes out Jamie Five, and we should probably move right into Jamie Six, um, where Jamie is still at River Run. <laughs> But now Jamie is going to be having his little tete-a-tete with uh, Brendan Tully. <laughs> this has to be one of the best exchanges, conversational exchanges, oh, I love in The Song of Ice and Fire. These two are amazing together. Um, so they meet on the drawbridge in front of Riverrun, and Jamie has not worn any of his... Uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> he's not really wearing his... His full armor. He's he's out there exposed, and he's aware that that they could kill him with arrows from River Run, but he knows that he needs to do this to to actually have a a conversation about maybe you know making some kind of truce to end the siege. Um, and I just love it because <laughs> Brennan Tully's out there, and the first thing that he does is greet Jamie as Kingslayer. <laughs> it's just perfect.
4: He doesn't. Yeah, and basically oh, from funny. then on, it's just dig, dig, dig. <laughs> I'm like, I do
1: love you. the whole thing about a siege is really dull. Like, yeah. you don't have TV in here, <laughs> dude, so, you know, let's talk.
0: Yeah, Jamie's, <laughs> Jamie's actually trying to make peace with Brendan Tully, and then at a certain point, he's like, Is there anything I could offer yeah. you that would make you stop the siege? And Brendan Tully's like, No, I just get really bored during the siege, <laughs> and so I just wanted someone else to talk to. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and you can just feel Jamie's frustration, like,
0: ugh. <laughs> no, he's trying so hard to end this thing without actually he's having just, to yeah, drop he's blood.
4: so hard to be a good guy, and he's just constantly, like, provoking him and just digging at him. He knows exactly what to say to get on his nerves, and Jamie's just, like, trying to keep his cool the entire time.
0: Oh God, I love this whole thing. I love how Brendan Tully is like, "Well, you broke you broke your oath to my niece, so do you want to just come hop back in your cell? We've got it all ready for you. <laughs> we'll get you some fresh straw." Yeah. That's just smartass. It's so funny because so many of these things that <laughs> that Brendan Tully says, the Blackfish says, are things that you could picture Jamie saying in his shoes, right? <laughs> yeah. It's really Brendan complex. was
1: the guy Jamie kind of like he wanted to be like that guy with all the cool stories and now,
0: yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um so I love it that we <laughs> we see this whole conversation go down and then um <laughs> in the end it's basically Brendan Tully just <laughs> telling Jamie that he always disappoints. <laughs> which you can imagine how Jamie enjoys hearing that. <laughs> It's it's really good. I don't know. Did anybody else have anything from this exchange like, <clears throat> to talk about? It's it's full of juicy stuff. No,
4: I just really, I'm <laughs> getting at like all the things that irk Jamie. So just saying how he has like no honor over and over again, and how um, you know Kingslayer, and just he just is poking the right buttons the entire time? And the whole time I'm thinking, how is Jamie not murdering this guy right now? <laughs>
2: I really love and this the. the black, oh, oh. I just, I, I just wanted to add that I really liked how the blackfish is like, "Do you even know what honor is?" And Jamie thinks a horse.
4: A
1: horse. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say that I, I, like the fact that the blackfish keeps saying, "You made the oath. Where are the girls? Where's Sansa and Arya? You know, <laughs> where are the You said right? to Catelyn that." Yeah. You, you know, every single... Just digging like and digging every, and Like, after everything
4: Jamie says, he challenges it with something else. Mm-hmm. So, like, put him in his place. And Jamie... Like, you could just feel Jamie. Like, I just picture him just pacing back, like, you know, shifting side to side on his feet. Just like... <sighs> <laughs> yeah. to, like ring this guy's neck
0: oh yeah. yeah you can feel Jamie's frustration well I love it when Jamie like challenges oh god he's like well we could d- we could decide this with single combat and even though Jamie's sitting there going I can't fight this guy with only one hand he's like <laughs> actually saying <laughs> bring toy. it on <laughs> yeah, <I don't laughs> even. It's such a Jamie moment he
2: didn't even bring his sword with him in the first place
0: no, he didn't. Yeah, he's actually glad it was a that
2: deliberate he didn't. Choice, yeah, but...
0: yeah. He's glad he didn't bring his sword because he's like, we'd be fighting and I'd be dying right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I love the Blackfish Man. I mean, you gotta, you gotta respect his chutzpah, because he's out there. He's out. Everybody, he's it. Like you just said. I mean, he's the last holdout in the Riverlands, pretty much, except for whoever these people are funding the, um, uh, whatever Brotherhood without banners but you know he's like yeah dude i got all day okay let's talk
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) and he's so proud of how well provisioned he is he's like i can wait you guys out he's like i'm provisioned to sit here for two years so you do whatever you want (laughs) the blackfish is a total badass like like make no mistake um (laughs) so finally jamie and the blackfish realize this is going nowhere and the blackfish says the thing about that Jamie disappoints. And, and so Jamie rides away and you can kind of feel some of old hothead Jamie and all of this, <laughs> not just because he's ready to fight the blackfish, but because he's, he's so like incensed that he couldn't solve this thing. And, um, so he goes back to his tent and he's like, he's like, call a, a war council. Basically he tells, I think his squires. And so they send out the word and, and basically everybody from, from what are essentially the three separate camps of this siege, um, kind of converge all of all of the commanders converge on jamie's tent and i love it he has this moment where he thinks about how the fact that his father always let his captains speak first in these meetings and so jamie does exactly the same thing and lets his captains talk (laughs) that doesn't go very well it's really (laughs) interesting So basically, you have the phrase, the phrase, the phrase talk first and 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 kind of loudest. Although the the men from the west are also talking at the same time, and um, it's so funny that Ryman Frey, who is technically running the siege for the phrase and who is Walder Frey's heir, doesn't show up. <laughs> and I Love how. Edwin, who is is Ryman's son, says, oh, he's indisposed, and Davin just, like, laughs, and he's like, no, he's drunk. Like, he's either drunk or hungover, we know why he's not here. And you just get the feeling that everyone's so sick of the way that this siege has been going, and that this is a symptom of (laughs) what's been going on with this siege. Um, And as it continues on, you know, he's getting a lot of quote unquote advice from a lot of people, um, including his aunt Jenna, who has, who has stationed herself in the midst of this. And is, I think the only woman in the tent, (laughs) she's, she's definitely in there and and a part of it. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of love all this about, um, where the, the Lords of the Riverlands, who's, um, you know, you can, you can tell that their loyalties are divided. You know, they, they they very much want to take care of their own best interests which is is staying in the good graces of of Jamie and the crown but you can tell that most of them feel some real allegiance to not only river run and the tullys but to to Brennan tully the blackfish himself um, I also have to remember i mean this all started
1: when when catlin took tyrion prisoner what was tywin's first response he sent Gregor Clegane out and they, you know, went to the Riverlands and started, you know, destroying them. Yeah. And they've been, like, at the heart of this war, I mean, they've been getting pummeled from all sides. Their harvests are shot. Winter is coming. They're all going to be screwed. You know, and who started, well, Catelyn started it, but I mean, what? they can't be looking at the Lannisters going, oh, yay, yeah, let's support you.
0: Yeah, you can tell they're not excited to be in bed with anybody that they're in bed with. The Riverlords are are not happy about any of this. But even worse than the Lannisters, the contempt for the phrase oh, yeah. is revealed in this in this council. And I mean, you know, this is contempt that we see for the phrase constantly after the Red Wedding. And as, as I think it was Eon said before, you even saw it before the Red Wedding, but after the Red Wedding it's just everywhere. And keep in mind that Ryman Frey, who who is currently drunk and couldn't make this meeting <laughs> is one of the architects of the red wedding. He he was right in it with Walder Frey. Um and and all of the all of the lords of the riverlands know that. I mean, keep in mind the Freys were were themselves subjects of of the Tullys. They they are themselves river lords. They are you know beholden to Riverrun up until this moment when they have basically thrown in their lot with the Lannisters and who will call the Baratheons, and they have they've basically turned their allegiance
2: and there's one of the guys the phrase of- there's one of the, the members in in this little council that's a river lord that has some some family members that are hostages for the phrase right now they're, the phrase are holding them they've been holding them since the red wedding so they're pretty they're pissed
0: Man. Yeah, the Pipers, right? And, yes. and it's clear that he's not even sure that um his it's 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 Lord Piper whose name I can't remember but he's not even sure his son is alive who was at the red wedding. Is it Mark Piper or something Ma- like Mark that? Piper, or yeah, Mark Piper. that's right. Yeah. yeah, and so you can imagine, I mean, these river lords having to to sit here and engage in this siege against people with whom they they they, the you know, utter
1: contempt and hatred
0: Oh Yeah. It's it's really a fraught situation. <laughs> The f- go, ahead, go ahead
3: the, fr- the phrase have, uh, have been given ideas above their station because of how they've been involved with the Lannisters and the Red Wedding but they really have outlived their usefulness at this point um, how I've been reading it uh, every- <clears throat> like everybody's been saying they are really really hated now but they did have a usefulness with Tywin in charge and his sort of Hand in the mix, you know
0: they were, yeah, manageable. Yeah, at and, that and stage, that's it. They they were like a <clears> tool <throat> that that Tywin was using. It's clear that that everybody's pretty much done with them, other than the fact that the the phrase do seem to have numbers that help accomplish <laughs> some things. But, but well, other I than think, that, sorry. Go ahead, comma.
1: I was gonna say I think everyone's. I don't remember if it's in these chapters or in another book even, but. I think everyone now because the oh god what is his name the, the eldest son is dead
0: um oh I, you know what's funny Stefan about him or whatever what is it say? i always want to call him stavos but i know no, no
1: no don't do that <laughs> the, stand stavos. the guy who to be heir is dead
0: yeah he so is
1: there's mm-hmm. walder who's 92 95 whatever now we've got dumbass who's the next heir, Ryman, who is and a, a everyone grandson knows yeah. as soon as Walder dies, it's just all gonna go to hell.
0: And man, I think Jamie has think- that thought, doesn't he? He's like, he's okay. like, Walder Frey needs to outlive this guy, or the Freys are fucked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the Freys; it's probably all the Riverlords going. Oh my God, this is just gonna be, uh, you know, it's gonna be <laughs> epically awful yeah. if this man gets in power and if it's not him they're all going to be fighting amongst themselves
0: yeah well his heir who's edwin who did show up who is who is now you know next in line behind his father to be to be the the lord of the twins is is not even a man who fights um you know he he's definitely part of this war council and everything but it's funny he, he basically gets called out by one of the river lords who basically wants to go fight him and, and like his uncle has to stand up and say no no he he's not a fighting man i uh, <laughs> I'll fight you instead. You know, it's like the phrase, the phrase, the phrase are held together by Walder Frey, and that's pretty much the he's only the thing holding that and mess together. Yeah, he's he, the glue. as
1: soon as he dies, it's just all. Oh God, it's going to be bad.
0: It's going to oh, crumble. Yeah. We can't yeah, wait, right? Yeah, <laughs> wins the winner. Come on. <laughs> No, I I know that Walder Frey is gonna outlive everybody. He's gonna be like the last <laughs> <Yeah>. person. <laughs> he's gonna, gonna be the sole survivor
4: of a Game man, of
2: Thrones. Do you know that Walder Frey is even in the tales of Duncan Egg? Whenever he's a little kid, he's that old.
4: Yeah, he's oh a Oh my god, kids. really? Yes. Right, yeah.
2: Yes, he's like a little oh snot-nosed kid in tales of Duncan <laughs> Egg. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: awesome. He never free Walder Frey. <laughs> yeah. So basically, this meeting ends and and it goes nowhere. Jamie. <laughs> Jamie, you can just feel Jamie's frustration, but it's so funny. Typical Jamie, he, he has a plan, but we don't get to hear about it, even though we're in his POV and in his head. Um, he just kind of takes off for the gallows where Edmure has, you know, every day been positioned and is yet again this day. Um, and he takes with him just um, Lyle Craycall, who they call the Strong Boar, and um, Ellen Payne. And he goes to the gallows. And I don't know about you guys, but to me, this is one of the more badass moments in the books. When Jamie goes up on the gallows um, to see Edmure. And it's so funny how Edmure sees Payne, and he's like, he's like ready to die. He's like, just kill me. Just get it over with. Um, It kind of gives you an idea of of what's gone on basically for, for poor Edmure ever since the Red Wedding. Um, that he he would rather die than continue to be a captive of the phrase. Well, he's being paraded every day with the
3: idea that he might die, so it's an easier situation just
0: to get it over with, really. Yeah, yeah, which is just horrible to even think about. Um, so, um, Illin Payne is drawing back his sword, and suddenly we hear—is um, uh, it Edwin Frey? come running up who's the one who was just at the meeting who is the son of Ryman Frey. And he's like, My father's coming, my father's coming, don't don't kill him. And it's so funny because here they have Edmure there with, with a noose around his neck and then it's like, no 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 don't 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 kill him. Don't kill him. And um <laughs> we finally get to meet Ryman Frey, who manages to show his face what Jamie is threatening to kill Edmure <laughs> and Ryman Frey just sounds hilarious. He comes out with um I mean, I guess there's no other way to say it, but a camp follower who is basically like a, a prostitute. <laughs> the and queen of that's
1: kind of what they are. So. The queen
0: of horrors, yeah, that's yes. pretty much what a camp follower is. And she is, yes, yeah, she's wearing a crown yes. that happens to be Rob's crown, um, which is, you know, if you stop and think about the fact that basically a... a a no-name prostitute is wearing Rob Stark's crown and ha- is calling herself the queen of horrors. And she says this to Jamie and you can just, well, number one, Jamie makes a joke about Cersei and you how <laughs> yeah, Cer- like,
4: no, Cersei has that title. You're not
1: the queen and you're not <laughs> the queen of horrors.
0: Typical <laughs> Jamie moment.
1: <laughs> all about me, man. Always all about me.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can just feel Jamie's just utter contempt for Ryman Frey. And so he and Ryman Frey get into it and I love this how Jamie basically is like trying to explain to Ryman Frey that you can't make empty threats, that this thing of putting Edmure on these gallows and not hanging him is an empty <laughs> threat and then it's a terrible strategy. And so in order to illustrate this <laughs> oh my God. I love this. Jamie's like <laughs> Jamie's like, an empty threat would be if I told you not to talk again <laughs> and you did it anyway. And then the, the Ryman Frey talks again, and Jamie just like backhands Ooh, him it's a like golden <laughs> it's like, bitch slap 2.0. with a golden <laughs> hand. Yeah, <laughs> that's all Jamie does now. This is his new weapon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> his golden hand. <laughs> oh god, I love it. But
4: he's totally right. Like you can't make threats and not follow through on it because oh. then you have like no power. People are just gonna call you on your bluff all the time. Oh my gosh.
0: It. that's it yeah. yeah he's not wrong i mean jamie's jamie's correct here i mean and you know when <laughs> when jamie was talking to the blackfish the blackfish himself said you know like like, Edmund probably just wants you to go ahead and hang him. Just do it. Get it over with. Right. This, I know. This empty yeah, threat I mean, business that would be is ridiculous. Torture particular. every single
4: day, wondering yeah. is this gonna be? the, I'm gonna die like every single day.
0: Well, like Cora said, you know, I mean, he's just at the point where he would rather that Ilan Payne just, just take his head off than continue to yeah. sit there with this noose around his neck every day.
4: And he so, doesn't he have to stand there all day
0: long? Yeah, yeah, he does. Every day he stands there on top of these gallows all day long with a noose around his neck. Um, and this siege has been going on for months. So, <laughs> I've always um,
1: loved... It's so funny because...
0: The... Sorry, go ahead, Ewan.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: It's just after Jamie hits hits Ryman, I've always loved the part where he's like, you have a fat head, Sir Ryman, and a thick neck as well. Sir Ellen, how many strokes will it take <laughs> you to cut through that neck? And Sir Ellen laid a single finger against his nose and Jamie last laughed an em- empty boast. I say three. I
0: just, I love that. Oh, that's a typical Jamie moment, too. I love it. And a typical Sir Ellen moment. Ellen Payne has a pretty good sense of humor. Nobody does any credit. This is,
4: this is kind of off topic, but is Ellen Payne related to Podrick Payne? Yes.
1: Yes, he Yeah, because so they're, yeah, they're in house Payne, mm-hmm. right? I think we don't know the degree of relationship, but they're probably like distant cousins or something. Yeah. But yeah, they are related. Yeah. I, think I just find Audrey it funny that, that Brianna and Jamie both have a pain that a pain. they're accompanying with. Like,
0: they're like
4: <laughs> their own little, little companion that they're dragging along. <laughs> and they both pain.
0: Their own personal pain? Yeah. so Jamie I mean, it's funny because the way that this is written you don't realize <laughs> it kind of sounds like Illyn Payne has already taken Edmure's head off but in fact he hasn't and what he's done is he's cut the rope of the noose and um Jamie has Strongbore and Illen Payne um bring Edmure with him back to his tent and it's funny because you know he's he's gone into the fray camp um alone with just these other two guys and grabbed Edmure and walked back out with him and Jamie doesn't have the thought but this is very clearly a show of, of Jamie's authority and it's funny, Jamie notes as he's walking into the freight camp that people are, are kind of, a few people are bowing to him and, and basically nodding to his authority and it's a pretty, I'm going to call it a baller move he walks in <laughs> and grabs Edmure and takes him back to his tent and it's funny on the way back, Along with he the singer, after too. Yeah, after completely yeah. humiliating Ryman Frey and telling him to get out of camp, he actually tells him to leave. He's like, "I, I don't care. Your son's in charge now. Get out and leave." Um, he yes, he takes he takes Ryman Frey's singer, who, as we all know, is Tom of the Seven Strings and streams and brings him back to his tent with him along with Edmure. And it's interesting as he's going back because we kind of have this this dichotomy, and it's funny when you discuss Jamie. people oftentimes bring up what Jamie said earlier in this chapter to the, um, in his own head when he was talking to the Blackfish, where he says, you know, Blackfish says, you know, do you even know what honor is? And Jamie kind of jokingly in his head says, honor's a horse. But as Jamie's bringing Edmure back, he thinks to himself that he he owes a debt, and that that Edmure is the only coin he has left. To me, this feels like him talking about his oath to Catelyn. Um,
1: I think... He was like, okay, this this mess. There's got. He's got a. I think he he wanted to keep his oath to Catelyn. I think he wanted to figure out a way to do this without bloodshed. But I think at the same time, it was also probably pure frustration at seeing the the utter mess that was going on with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. And I also think he was probably trying to step up a, a little bit to what. Jenna had said, um, which kind of leads into what happens later. Right. You know, the
2: blackfish, the blackfish isn't budging. Here's Edmir. Edmir is actually the Lord of River Run now. So why not? I mean, he can actually. Edmir has been captive for so long. He's a broken man right now, and Jamie's pretty good at reading people and and pretty much putting bluffs on people. So. Why not?
0: so we kind of have to get to what I think is is kind of the the big moment of this chapter, which is is pretty famously known as the trebuchet moment um, <laughs> It's my favorite moment mm-hmm. is it? it's awesome. one of my favorite moments in one of the in the entire series. I think it's I think it's a really big moment. And in many ways it's it's just such a, a great way to to kind of um bring Jamie around full circle to me. Um Jamie basically um and it's so funny because he thinks to himself, are you gonna make me say all of this? So he threatens Edmure and says, you know, if if you don't if you don't go into River Run and do exactly what I want you to do, here's what I'm gonna have to do. And he talks about how he's gonna completely destroy Riverrun. <laughs> he's not only gonna conquer River Run. What he's going to do is tear it down stone from stone and he's going to divert the river to run over river runs so that no one will ever know that it went there or that it ever existed at all. And then he says that not only that, before this point, um, if Rosalind, who is pregnant, has her baby before all of this is accomplished, Jamie is going to put the baby in a trebuchet and send him. Well, it's funny how they call it a him, but send him to ednir mm-hmm. Basically, Jamie's going to put this baby in a trebuchet and basically launch it over the walls of Riverrun. Um, this is this is, this is is a big moment. This is something you hear talked about a lot in terms of not only Jamie's character, but just the series itself. It's a pretty major threat. Yes, and if you notice, he puts
2: so much emphasis on Edmure's shoulders. Whenever you read this, you see, uh, If I speak the command, my cuz will bridge your moat and break your gate, hundreds will die, most of them your own. Your former bannermen will make up the first wave of attackers, so you'll start your day by killing the fathers and brothers of men who died for you at the Twins. I mean, you can see how, I mean, he's just putting all of this on Edmure. Like, it's It's the choice
4: is yours, you know. Right, but before all of that, he also tells him that, you know, there's an au- there's a, another alternative, which is, you know, if you surrender and you have a daughter, she will be, you know, well cared for, she'll have a lot of money. Um, if you have a son, he could be a page and a squire, so he's really trying to reason with him. He really wants him to choose the former mm-hmm. and not the latter.
3: He's given him guilt before everything's happening. Right. So he's saying that, are oh, going to destroy the place, this is your family home, you know, it's, not, it's like he's wiping out the Tullys and then he brings in the idea that he's going to send the last of the Tullys over the walls in a trebuchet. But he's
4: and also he's, giving him an out at the same time. And he's giving
3: him, yep. yeah, but he, that guilt is building up so that he's got this right. other he is pay. being
1: tywin lannister mm-hmm. he's even got the singer there right ready to start mm-hmm. playing the reigns of customer it's it it's it's his father his father would have if he'd be if he could see his son he'd probably be proud well maybe not but i mean it's a it's, <laughs> it's a tywin a... move yeah like, oh, okay, he, like take care it of you. Only we'll, we'll money at it these people can live great or we wipe everyone out and there's not you know and, and he's be-
4: placing the blame on Edmir, like what yep. Ian was saying. Ion was saying. So it's, it's like it's- Yeah, so he's he's definitely channeling Tywin in this moment, and I think that's because of what Jenna was saying earlier.
2: I just yeah. I think that Jamie really knows how to how to read Edmir though, and he knows that Edmir is gonna go with maintaining his life and keeping River <clears throat> Run and his baby and I don't think that Jamie Jamie would have carried the whole trebuchet thing. He would
1: have never done it.
0: Oh, no. Well, See, I well, don't know. I think he'd do it. <laughs> I, I think, think there's he, a he circumstance kinda... in which Jamie puts a baby in a trebuchet. I think he knows that the threat alone is enough in this circumstance. He knows he, Edmund really well, and I, I, I think, think he knows he, that this will do the trick. And but.
1: not five minutes. Well, not five not that long before he's telling Sir Ryman about how you can't make empty threats. Right, and
4: so I think he would do it, but he would really hate himself for
1: doing it. Oh, yeah. I don't (laughs) think he would be
4: struggling with it. like The whole time he'd be like, Why? He's (laughs) He's not his
1: father. He
4: could not do that. And he'd probably be like really pissed off at, you know, Edmure for not choosing the other option type of thing. Yeah.
1: I think Tywin would, Tywin went nuclear many a time and probably slept well through the night. Jamie's not his father in that respect. But I think he knows that, and probably that's also why Edmure goes for this is because he knows that if he doesn't pick the the good option, everything Jamie is saying is a possibility.
4: Yeah. And, and I think him, like, giving him that good option and really pushing him towards that good option is showing that he has gone through, you know, a journey throughout this story and that he has changed to an extent because he even mentions back uh, on another page that he would have immediately um done the siege like the attack instead of talking if it was just um not so long ago is what i'm quoting not so long ago and um he's actually trying to take his time to um make this as peaceful as possible mm-hmm. and use his words um for fighting <laughs> instead of having to actually use a sword <laughs> and he also he's
1: like a
0: cobbler. He, <laughs> he is
1: he's not just talking about Edmure and his wife and the, the kid. He's also talking about the people who are left in the castle, the small folk, that these people do not have to die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and so he's it, it, trying,
4: he's thinking like bigger picture, like Ty, Tywin would. You
0: know? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I know. I think he knows, he knows Edmure really well. I mean, that's the thing, you know, they have history and he knows that the threat alone is going to get the job done. I think he knows that just saying what he's saying, you know, it's actually what he's thinking is he's saying, don't make me say this out loud. He knows the threat isn't enough to make Edner do what he wants. But it's like, you know, in, in the in the grand scheme of things, is there a situation in which Jamie would put a baby in a trebuchet? I really do think that there is. I mean, you know, that's that's the definition of Jamie's character, which is always that he he is able to make these value judgments <laughs> that would paralyze other people. And it's it's kind of how we met his character when he pushed Bran out a window. You know, even I mean,
4: if he's totally against it,
0: yeah, yeah even if he loathes closing, the idea, like, even if he room. hates it, yeah, right. exactly. I, I do think there is a circumstance in which Jamie Lannister is the man who would put the baby in the trebuchet. I, mean, I But I think he it, knows he won't have to. But <laughs> yeah. one, if one baby would save all of that, then
3: yes, he would make that choice.
0: Yeah, he would. He would, and it's interesting. I I kind of love how George R. R. Martin sets up these big questions and then just doesn't doesn't answer it for you. It's up to you to decide, you know, how well you can stomach that sort of idea. I right. just think the scariest part um, is that Thomas Evans
2: has witnessed this. He's heard it. He's an informant for the Brotherhood Without Banners. He also yep. he also has heard that they're sending the prisoners from the phrase away to King's Landing, so he knows about that. He's heard that they're, he's listened in on their war council and everything. So he, he's telling this to the Brotherhood
0: without banners. Yes, he has heard and, Jamie make this terrible, terrible threat. Yeah, And it can be read oh, yeah. so badly by somebody who
3: oh, yeah. doesn't like Jamie at all. So he <laughs> doesn't <to> understand <laughs> Jamie. And what it, is yeah. it
4: with, with Jamie's character development moments happening happening around a bathtub? Like, Ed sitting in the bath. And then, like, two other times... Like the Pia thing where he's like scrubbing himself. That's in the bathtub. And then the Brienne confession with his Aries stuff. That's in the bathtub.
0: And he has a he has a conversation with Cersei when she's in the bathtub. And yeah, right. But <laughs> is
4: it with bathtubs yeah. and Jamie.
0: Oh no! I have
1: all his like big character deals in the movie. shower. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that what George R R Martin would say, something like that, or <laughs> I think best in the tub, you know. Too.
3: At least in, there was in this scene. Sorry. Go ahead. Laura. Um I was just gonna say that with this scene with Edmure being in the bathtub, it really is that he is stripped absolutely. There is nothing, he's got no defenses. He has to make this choice on his own. Which is why Jamie which is why maybe Jamie has actually pushed it towards that.
0: Yeah. Well Jamie knows Edmure. He really does. He knows him pretty well at this point. Um and you know, it's actually funny, we should probably mention that Thomas Evans and Edmure actually have their own beef. Um, I should have looked this up before podcasts. podcast, but there's some situation. I can't remember what the thing is, but basically Tom um, seduced a woman out from under Edmure. So, um, as Jamie's leaving, he tells Tom to play a song, and he doesn't specify which song, but Tom asks and says the one about the rain. <laughs> Everybody knows what they mean. And Edmure sees Tom for the first time, and he's like, no, no, not him. Get him away from me. And it's because they actually, Edmure and Tom actually have their own little skirmish between yes. the two Didn't, them. didn't
2: yeah. he write a
1: song about a floppy fish?
0: He did. Yeah, Tom has a song it. about Edmure. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, t- uh, Tom once ran afoul. I'm reading from the wiki. But basically, he stole this girl. Edmure was about to, like, bed and take her maidenhead. Or no, to take his virginity. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> and Edmure had drunk too much and was unable to perform. Poppy so pitch. then he made the song about the, top, the floppy pitch, Which led to Edmure's hatred of music. So it's not just the oh song. Gosh. It's all songs. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs>
0: So Jamie manages to really hit some buttons for Admiras, basically.
4: <laughs> yeah, she's totally playing the mind game in this.
0: Right. Oh, God. You know, I mean, but how can you deny reading these two chapters together that Jamie really does have a fairly decent strategic mind when he bothers to use it?
1: Oh, oh he yeah, he totally does. That's mm-hmm. a brilliant solution to a, to a horrible, like, almost unsolvable problem. I think he...
0: Yeah, and when your goal is for no violence, which is Jamie's goal.
1: Well, I mean, he's managing, because we know what's going to happen. I mean, he's going to be able to hand that castle off to uh, Uncle Emin there, who doesn't want a nail out of place.
0: (laughs) He gets the job done. It's actually a pretty Tyrion moment for Jamie. Yeah. Or Tywin, you know, depending on how you want to look at it. Guys, we got through, like, these two chapters are, like, so much about serving the story, the greater story of A Song of Ice and Fire for Jamie. These were not the most shippery chapters. I don't know if you guys noticed.
1: I not if they're awesome. <laughs> chapters. They were
0: fun. They really are. Jamie's such a badass in these chapters. I don't know how you can't love them. Um, so, uh, do we have any thank yous this week, Eon?
2: We have one
0: and one solo tiny thank you?
2: That, and I'm also going to give a couple shout-outs. Um, awesome. The first one is from the Jamie Brian board, from Nehemiah, Nahe- And she says,
0: oh, Mar- oh, Nehemiah.
2: Nehemiah. I totally yeah. butchered that. I'm so sorry.
0: I think it's a <laughs> biblical name. <Okay>. I'd <laughs> love to know the history of that name, Nehemiah. Why do you have that name? Yeah.
2: She says, Oh, more greatness. I love how on top of the hilarity, you're such close perspective. You're you're such close and perspective readers. Every one of these podcasts makes up picks up on things that I missed. I think it was the dairy chapter that finally convinced me that Jamie is becoming the smartest guy in the room in an, an admittedly pretty stupid room. Like, he's the only person who understands that the Hound isn't the real perpetrator of salt pans. There was only one monster awesome. in House Clagane. Also, I love Jamie's little bit of sass when he's leaving the set. Thanks, I feel so much holier now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you for that. And
2: um, also wanted to say thanks to um, Dolan Subterfuge. She made this really awesome Photoshop of Jamie in this pimp suit. From last, yeah, it was (laughs) awesome. And um, BLJ got she did another fan art for JB Appreciation Week, which had one little fan art, I believe, from our podcast. Just wanted to say thanks.
0: Was that the one? Was that the one with Amory Frey like caressing Jamie's hand? Yeah, yeah. I love that. That was awesome. (laughs) That was perfect. And special thanks to Mo who was our guest last week. Thank you, Mo. I know we like talked over you twenty five times, but we love you. She's such a big supporter of the podcast. And a big thank you tonight to all of our guests. We had Kama back again and Cora. Thank you. You guys don't know this, but Cora is up in the middle of the night. She set herself an alarm at like, what is it, two in the morning, Cora? Uh Um, it was 20 past one that oh I God. got it. Oh my gosh. Bless oh gosh. you for doing this podcast. And then we had Jinmo for the first time. Thanks, yeah. Jinmo, for jumping yeah. in. She jumped in last minute for a lot. Thank you very much. And Kama jumped in for YD. Um, we had a big cluster of a, a, a week for our podcast. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, as you know, you can always find us at close the door and come here. And um, you can email us if you would like to at close the door End at gmail.com. And if you're interested in guesting on podcasts like these poor people did this week, <laughs> feel it's free fun. to drop us an More ask people. on Tumblr. Yeah, <laughs> yeah these were victims. It was fun. <laughs> <Yay>. fun <class>. <laughs> <laughs> or drop us an email if you'd like to guest on podcast. Thanks so much, guys, for um, doing this podcast. You guys were amazing this week. I wish you guys knew how amazing our guests were this week. <laughs> <laughs> and uh thanks for sticking with us. We will see you next week. Bye everybody.
1: Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.